It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the BBC Country Farm magazine podcast. The podcast that takes you on adventures into the wild for encounters with our amazing wildlife, plus meetings with interesting rural folk and a very welcome blast of fresh air. In this episode, our very own Danny Graham takes a walk on the edge of Bristol with his partner, the herbalist Maria Fernandez Garcia, in search of tasty and medicinal wild plants. So it's over to you, Danny. It's a wet and slightly windy morning on the outskirts of Bristol. We're about, I don't know, maybe 20 minute walk from our house. The range is coming down a little harder. In um, a patch of woodland called Cruise Hole. Despite the wind and the rain, it doesn't seem to have deterred the birds. I'm not great at identifying birds by their song, but I've seen great tits, wood pigeons, wrens, robins, blackbirds. It's a deciduous woodland, lots of hawthorn, which is in a beautiful white bloom at the moment. You can just see white flurries of white throughout the woodland, and lots of the paths are marked white with the blossom, the sycamore, oak, I think maybe some ash, I think I've seen some ash and lots of ivy climbing up the trees. It's quite a hilly woodland and there's paths running here, there and everywhere. It's quite common with dog walkers and runners normally but I've not seen a single person this morning. I'm with Maria Fernandez-Garcia, a herbalist, and we're on the hunt for edible plants. So let's see what we can find. So this is a sticky weed, sticky willy, goose grass, 
or cleavers. Got quite a, quite a few names. It's really almost velcro to the touch. This is this is the thing that we used to throw at each other when we were children. <laughs> throw at each other's tops. Yeah. And it would stick to them. <laughs> yeah. So it's a climber, uh, a climbing plant that does use those tiny little hooks to grab onto plants above it, um, and the hooks to push away on the bottom side of the leaf uh, from plants below. And it's racing towards the light. It's a really good herb for spring. So a great spring tonic. If you just cut off a couple of these tops and infuse them in some cold water overnight in the fridge, it makes a really refreshing drink, sort of like cucumber water. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's really tasty. Um, so, yeah, just the flowering tops of these you can use. And it's really good for draining the lymph, which is that system of removing the toxins that sort of surrounds our blood. So it's really good if we're feeling a bit stagnant after the winter or at the moment as we're all being in the house quite a lot. It's quite a good um, stimulator mover for those okay. types of things. Nettles, I know these ones. Yes. So here we have the, the trusty faithful nettle. These ones are already going to seed, it looks like. So these are an amazing uh, source of minerals and vitamins. They're a little bit scary, uh, obviously because of the sting. Um, they've got these heart-shaped serrated leaves and all along the leaves they've got tiny white hairs and those are the things that sting you. Uh, the best way to collect these is, I found, to get your container and just put it just under the top four leaves um, almost like you're nestling in the container in amongst the nettles and then just cut off the top four leaves and they just fall into the container that way if you don't have gloves you're still able to collect those nettles and you can use these in soups um, almost like a spinach as they wilt down the hairs dissolve as well so that's great or you can make a really mineral rich tea which is good if you've got anemia, any deficiencies in minerals. And it's also really anti-inflammatory. Um, so if you suffer from anything like arthritis or any other sort of inflammatory conditions like hay fever, this tea can be amazing for that. It smells really salty. And when, uh, when something smells quite salty, you can tell it's really mineral rich. So it's still OK to harvest these. It is better earlier in spring, but just the, the top sort of four... Or six leaves would be best. Does it have any lookalikes? I feel like I've seen plants around that are pretty similar. Yeah. So there's there's another plant called white dead nettle, which has a very similar shape. The leaves aren't as harsh. They don't seem as fiery and harsh. And it's got these white flowers that come up sort of underneath the, the top leaves. So you, they sort of look like orchid, tiny white orchid flowers. And that's called white dead nettle, and it doesn't sting. But yeah, it's also a medicinal plant. This nettle here tends to grow a lot taller. The white dead nettle just stays quite low on the ground. But the white dead nettle is medicinal as well. And it's, it's used for helping ease excessive bleeding in menstruation. If you have intermittent bleeding between your periods or if you have excessive bleeding during your periods, an alcoholic preparation of this, so a tincture, is used to ease those symptoms. So they're both medicinal. And there's also another look-alikey, 
which looks a bit more like the dead nettle, the white dead nettle, alternate leaves, except it's got yellow flowers. And its name is Archangel. You might have seen that one about as well. Very bright yellow and sometimes found in woodlands. Beautiful forget-me-nots on the ground coming up through the nettles. They're edible, these flowers. Just down through the forest, oh, there's some sycamore. They're all dripping from last night's rain. Is this hawthorn? This tree is in bloom all over the forest at the moment. So it's got these really distinct white, beautiful flowers that form in clusters. And they're out at the moment this month of April. They've all exploded at the same time now. So you've got hawthorn leaves, which are toothed, and they appear just before the flowers do. So if you see those toothed leaves, uh, you know the flowers are coming soon. Both the flowers and the leaves are edible. You can just pick them right off the tree and eat them. One of their folk names was bread and butter because they're quite nutritious and people used to just pick them off the tree and eat them. Should we try that then? Yeah. Any leaf? Any leaf. I mean, like with uh, like with all foraging, you want to see if you can pick some the leaves that look like they haven't been eaten by something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, slightly, slightly yeah. better. Mm, these ones are, yeah. So how would you, how would you use these in food or in, in drinks? So if you like the taste of the tree you found, then you can just scatter the leaves and flowers on top of your food or within your food. I prefer to have them as a tea, so I'll take a couple of leaves and flowers, a couple of sprigs of leaves and flowers and I'll just put them in some hot water um, in a cup and cover the cup and leave it to steep for about 15 minutes and it makes quite a nice floral tea. I find it's quite a calming tea for the heart. So medicinally, if, if you had issues with the heart, maybe cardiovascular issues or tension in the heart, then this herb is amazing. Just dropping a bit deeper into the woods now. Beneath some oak trees and a few more sycamores again. Wind whistling through the trees. Every now and then there's a clearing, and although it's not sunny, you can see patches of light just dropping through. Just to add, it's really important when you're foraging to make sure you have a good ID book or you're really, really sure of what you're picking because there are lookalikes, like we saw with the nettle. There are lookalikes of quite a lot of plants. Plants have adapted to mimic other plants, either to avoid predators or to gain pollinators. Uh, so it's really essential that you find a good ID guide that you're comfortable with before you pick anything, especially if you're going to ingest it. So can you recommend any? Are there any good ID guides? Are there any standouts for you? 
Yes, yes, actually, there is one. One that comes to mind is the Collins Pocket Guide called Herbs and Healing Plants of Britain. And it's really great because it colour codes all the plants. So you might see a plant, like I see one in front of us, with a pink flower. It's got the sort of red-pink section that you flick to, and then you can look through those plants. What I find is if the plant is not in the book then I can assume that it's not edible and I won't, I won't pick it. And this pink flower here is the flower of a plant called Herb Robert. But it's got these lovely leaves, sort of a little bit like the hawthorn leaves, but they're very delicate. Yeah. And it's got, for each stalk, just a small pink flower. Just like a little trumpet. <laughs> yes, five petals. Yeah, and this plant actually was used, and still is used, as an in insect repellent. If you just rub the leaves, it's got quite a strong smell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you can infuse this in an oil and, and make, a, make an insect repellent out of it. How, and how do you go about infusing the plants in oils? Is that easy? Yeah, it's very easy. It's, the method I use is just the... A folk method is just a method that's been used for a long time. There's not a lot of science to it. So once you've found your plant that you know you're able to infuse and is, and is safe to use, then you take the plant home. You might dry it for a little bit. It's best to dry plants just at least a day to let them wilt. Because as you put stuff in oil, if they've got a lot of moisture content, it tends to make the oil go rancid. So the best thing to do is take your plants, let them wilt for a day or so, chop them up and put them in some oil, the oil of your choice. It could be olive oil, it could be sunflower oil, um, or if you have other things like coconut or almond oil, um, you can also use those. I tend to use olive oil because it's easy to access, it's easy to get. So I use olive oil and I just chop the plants up, put them in a jar, cover them in the olive oil and leave them for about four to six weeks in a relatively sunny spot. And the, you'll see with plants, for example, nettle oil, the, the oil that comes out of nettles is very green. So you'll get this really deep green oil after that time. And you can use this in your food to get some extra minerals in whilst you're cooking. Or it's actually a really good oil for the hair so I use my nettle oil in my hair if I put it in the night before and massage it into my head and then it's really good to help your hair grow strong and to prevent hair loss and things like that as we continue down the forest track here we're getting a little bit closer to the road you can maybe hear it but it just goes to show we've already, well, Maria's already identified a dozen or so edible plants. We're maybe half an hour from the city centre. Just goes to show that these edible plants are everywhere. So this plant here is called Jack by the Hedge. If you want to take a taste of that leaf. Mm. It's almost as tall as us, this plant. <laughs> so it's got these white flowers that, that appear at the top of the stalks. And it's almost, it's quite a bitter taste, actually. 
Yeah, peppery, but, bitter. Mm, but it's got quite a garlicky tinge to it. Mm. Its other name is garlic mustard. And it's got these leaves that are sort of heart-shaped, slightly serrated, but kind of an not uniform. So the ser- serrations in the leaves are kind of quite uneven. The leaves come off the stem alternately. At the moment, these guys are about a metre tall. And the leaves can be used in salads. So you can just take some of the top younger leaves and use them as a green in your dinner. They sort of taste like a a stronger version of rockets. Yeah, these leaves are a lot less bitter earlier in spring. But you can still use them now. Ah, now I know this one. This is elder. This is elder, yes. It's got these leaves that are quite similar to the ash tree where the leaves are opposite each other on the stalks with one final leaf at the very end. And the flowers are just coming out. We can see the buds of the others here. And when the flowers come out, they're really white, forming clusters, and they smell lovely. You'll recognise the smell from the elderflower cordy that you might have drunk. Yeah, it's just the smell of spring, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So these flowers, you can harvest them. And if you boil them up in some water with some sugar, honey, lemon for about an hour or so, and then if you leave that to cool overnight, strain off the elderflower and you have an elderflower cordial. So it's quite simple to make. One thing to remember is to not pick all the flowers, to always only pick at the max a third. If you're picking for yourself and your family, then you really don't need that much So it's really important for the plant to leave some of the flowers there so that it can form into the berries. Those purple berries are really amazing for the immune system. So they're great for the winter time and they come out in autumn. And they're good for wildlife too. Exactly, the birds can have a little nibble on those. So they're really sweet as well. I wouldn't recommend eating them straight off, but when you add them to medicine, they're really sweet. You can see here the cleavers, almost like a carpet along the floor, trailing, grabbing onto anything it can. The single bluebell. The bluebells were out so early this year. There's just one left in this woodland by the looks of things. And here, just by the edge of the path, we've got the famous dandelion with its basil rosette of leaves, really toothed. And it's the leaves that uh, you can take and eat in salads. These are very bitter. Bitter things are really good for the liver. They tend to get the liver working, which is um, the organ that cleanses our blood and removes all the toxins. So these leaves are great. You can add them into salads. Like I say, they're very bitter. The whole plant is bitter, actually. The roots, the flowers and the leaves and they're all edible you can eat the whole of this plant until the 1800s people would purposefully leave dandelions on the lawn because of their medicinal properties so we've got to revive the dandelion back they are amazing plants they're so hardy they grow in concrete in the middle of the blazing sun Uh, here we have one just on the path in the woodland 
the bitterness tends to stimulate the liver and stimulate our digestion, which is great if you've got somewhat of a sluggish digestion. The reason that the bitter compound works this way in our system, supposedly, is because all poisonous things are bitter. Obviously, not all bitter things are poisonous, but it kind of gears up our body to start digesting already at the first taste of something bitter, just in case it's poisonous, which is an amazing adaptation that we have. And right beneath the dandelion, I can see a little horsetail green shoot coming up. These, these plants are sort of have a single stalk coming up the middle with rings of leaves that sort of are they're kind of like spikes can you see there oh yeah so they uh it's quite a small one this one but the rings sort of fan out almost like the rings of saturn all the way up the stalk and these there's a great time to harvest horse down now the younger shoots when they first come out are edible. I use these green stalks as a medicinal tea. It's really good for the digestion once again. So you can boil up these shoots into a tea and they have a property that's called astringency. So an astringent is something that tightens and tones the cells. So it could be, say, if you have a varicose vein or if you have sort of a more of a relaxed digestion, then this plant is good for that. So horsetail... Great for digestion. We've returned to the top of the woodland now. It's opened up a little bit. There's just some really stunning hawthorn trees. A little blue tip jumping through the blossom up there. Badger sets alongside the path. The range is starting to come down a little bit again. There's white flowers everywhere at the moment, including these. Cow parsley. Um, and it was used, has been used in the past, to treat kidney issues. So it would be boiled up as a tea and taken internally. But I wouldn't recommend trying to find it because the leaves and the flowers the whole plant looks really similar to hemlock which is poisonous but it's good to notice as you're walking by at the moment the, they've exploded I think with all the sun we had they grew very tall and um, we've had a little bit of rain the last few days so they've almost fallen over with the weight of themselves but they're beautiful almost like forming dense hedges within the woodland so unless you are completely sure of your identification, perhaps steer clear of these and just admire Absolutely. their appearance. Yeah, exactly. And just down here on the ground, next to the cow parsley, is greater plantain. A point at the base of the leaf forms really clear ridges all the way up to the top. Uh, it's usually found on the edges of paths, sometimes in the middle of paths, it quite likes being trodden on. It seems to help it grow. It's an amazing tea for hay fever and coupled with nettle, they do match together very well to cool that inflammatory response that we have when we have hay fever. The itchy eyes, the runny nose, both these plants together cool and ease that irritation from conditions such as hay fever. So this is a great one. There's two types 
of plantain, one of them still with the ridge lines and has seed heads that come up from the middle of the plant and are out at the moment. So there's two types, both really good for cooling inflammatory responses. You can also make an infused oil, like I said earlier, out of the leaves of this plant by cutting it up and putting it in some oil. And that is good really externally for bites and stings and cooling any inflamed responses of the skin. We've come to the end of the Woodland Loop, signposted by a huge hawthorn tree, which is billowing with flowers. And it feels like a fitting end to, to the morning. We've just harvested a box full of hawthorn leaves and flowers, and I'm going to head home and make a nice warm cup of tea. Ah, that was delightful. Thank you to Maria and Danny for that excursion into a springtime woodland. It's always heartening to hear a strong defence of plants such as dandelions that are often dismissed as weeds. So that's a really interesting insight into herbalism, and you can find out more about the subject at Maria's website, healingweeds.co.uk. For more articles about UK wildlife, head to our website, countryfile.com. And don't forget, we have a brilliant print magazine too, which you can find in most big supermarkets or order from our website. It's a wonderful way to hold the countryside in your hands if you can't actually get there at the moment. And please let us know what you think about the podcast by emailing me, Fergus Collins. I'm the editor of the magazine and the host of this podcast. My email address is editor at countryfile.com. You've been listening to the BBC Countryfile magazine podcast, produced in Bristol by Jack Bateman. Thanks so much for listening and goodbye for now.